Previously on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Issue number 43 of Green Lantern, The Prologue to Blackest Night, I think is a terrific book. I'm happy that this book turned out so well, because I'll be honest, both the Agent Orange storyline and the uh, Rage of the Red Lanterns were pretty damn awful. This did not feel like a DC book, much less a DC book that was the start of something so big. It was just a very dark, you know, very just bloody tale and i was yeah. i was really impressed that that was the way they took it it was surprisingly dark you know i, I guess this is this is going to be something different which is refreshing you know I, I think that more books should have necrophilia and now Exciting episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. And welcome. This is uh, episode three. Yes, it is. Exciting. The conclusion of our trilogy. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> After this, don't expect episode four. That's right. That's Not right. for 20 years. 20 years. That's right. Well, and you know, we'll have to come back and re-edit it and uh, add some digital effects. It'll be a whole thing. So, you know, yeah, we're going to have a special edition of this episode next year. So how you doing, Paul? Uh, I'm doing okay. I am doing okay. It's been uh, it's been a a nice week. I uh, actually went and saw Harry Potter this week. Ooh, how was that? You know, it was really good. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to check out my review on the site. I did. I did. I saw that you liked it. I saw that you gave it what an eight on your osometer. On my osometer, yeah, everything gets an eight. <laughs> according but, um, to Joe. <laughs> according to Joe, everything <laughs> yeah. gets an eight. But. Uh, the, the movie got an A, but the experience gets about a two. Oh, really? It was a, it was a bad movie-going experience for me. It was, you know, we got there about two hours early. I figured two hours early was fine, and it was. You know, we got perfect seats. We got the seats we wanted. But, you know, I saw it at a, a local, you know, multiplex, 24 theaters, I think. They had three lines set up to go into this one house. But they were all in different spots of the theater. So let's say we were all going into house 14, I think. There were three lines for House 14. None of them knew about the other lines. So when one line started to go in, the other line started getting angry about it. And the other line was like, you know, practically forgotten. It was just bad, bad planning. Wow. And of course, you know, we finally get in. You know, we happened to, uh, we weren't in any of the lines. So technically there were four lines. We, we were sitting on the bench next to the movie house. And so when they started letting people in, we just walked in. Um, <laughs> I know we're those bastards. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're those people. That's how you got uh, your awesome seat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're sitting there, and you know, a group of late teens, early twenty-something kids sits behind us. Kids, um, punks, punks. Let's call them punks. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, rascals. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so they start. Uh, they start playing Harry Potter movie trivia. Now. Late teens, early 20s, that was not something I was doing, to be honest with you. (laughs) You know, I mean, 
I, I just it was it was quite odd because they were doing fake British accents. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you know, some guy, he, one of the guys was like, "All right, it's my turn," and then he's like, "Don't let go, Potter." And I'm like, "How does that even constitute a quote? I don't. That's horrible." <laughs> and you know, then another guy goes and he's like, "I'm Hermione Granger." It was just the worst possible quote game you could ever think of. Nice. This was about the level of the quotes they were coming up with, you know, with their, you know, worse British accents than I just had. Right. Um, so, you know, they did that pretty much up until the movie start, all through the, you know, the, the pre-show countdown nonsense. Um and then right up until the, the, the first trailer started. And then, you know, everyone starts shushing each other. And then, you know, someone shushes just to be funny. And uh, Harry Potter fans, I'm sorry. I know, I'm, I, know I was there at midnight. Yeah, you, you know, your, uh, <laughs> your disdain of the uh, Harry Potter fan is, is, is tarnished by the fact that you were there at the midnight showing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of self-defecation, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Now I blame it on my wife. My wife wanted to go. I would have waited. Now, were you wearing your, your Harry Potter spectacles, and did you have a cloak on? I was wearing spectacles, but they were not Harry Potter spectacles. <laughs> uh, you know, they had a lot of people there in costume, oh, I which bet. Yeah. depressed me, to be honest with you. Seriously? Um, it did, because no one at Star Trek was wearing oh. a freaking Starfleet uniform but half of the theater was in you know harry potter outfits and you know half of them were too tight you know they they, i guess they don't realize they sell them in adult sizes now but um (laughs) yeah they're wearing they're wearing the the, the first harry potter costume they wore to the first movie and they've grown yeah exactly yeah yeah it's a tradition so you have to wear it you know like uh wearing the same underwear when you play football or whatever (laughs) it was just uh it was uh not not the best movie-going experience I could have had. Yeah. I'm sorry, That is okay. But the movie itself was good. You know, I enjoyed it. It's long. You know, it's two and a half hours long. So it's one of those things that you have to kind of plan your day around. You know, I, I like a long movie. I always feel like I'm getting more for my money that way, as long as it's a, you know, well-done movie. You know, it depends on the movie. Like Dark Knight? Great. Yeah. Harry Potter? Fine. But when you start getting into, I don't know, like Kingdom of Heaven, which I actually want to see, you know, I still haven't seen it. I've owned it on DVD since it came out on DVD, what, two, three years ago? I'm trying to remember which one Kingdom of Heaven is. The one with Orlando Bloom. Oh, I love that and, movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent movie. Great. Whatever. I, I, remember, I, you. I remember being <laughs> uh, being surprised by how good it was. I saw it on cable. And I even blogged about it on my old blog. I really like that movie. Yeah, I really wanted to see it. And... You know, every time I have a couple of hours, I'm like, maybe I should pop it in or maybe just see the first half. And I don't. I don't. You know, I guess I would have to be really sick, you know. (laughs) And then it's like, do I want to watch Kingdom of Heaven or do I want to watch Lord of the Rings again? Yeah. But then, I, you know, you start Lord of the Rings, you're kind of in for the the 10-hour journey. So you might as well just stick with one film. See, you know, Lord Lord of the Rings for me is always the movie I watch when I'm sick. You know, I just I, I throw I throw in uh, the DVDs and you know lay there on the couch with the blanket over me, and I'm in. You know, wife leaves for work. I'll see her when she gets home. <laughs> I don't have to get off the couch. You know, particularly if I catheterize, I don't have to get up and le- and move. So you know, see, there you go. <laughs> You've got a plan. That's right. That's right. I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm not moving for nothing. That's right. I don't even. Want, you need a, a DVD player that automatically switches. Do yep. they even sell those anymore? The, you know, the six DVD players or whatever? I don't know. I don't own one, so I don't know. 
Yeah, I haven't seen one in a while. I guess they're, they're not very... They don't last very long. Well, you know, yeah, a, but it is a colossal pain in the ass to, you know, once every two hours or so get up and switch the DVD. It is kind of a pain in the ass, but it's not as bad as Laserdisc, where you have to s- switch sides oh. every hour. <laughs> yeah. There was some big comic book news this week, or a big comic there, book event this week. There was. Uh, I, in fact, I would venture to say probably the biggest comic book event of the year, well, maybe. And I know that, you know, last week we were talking about how Wednesday Comics could be the biggest selling comic of the year but i think uh this week blackest night blew that out of the water i i I was following uh several different comic book shops they were saying that there were huge sales on uh, wednesday this week for blackest night which is great and you know it's kind of sad because i didn't pick up wednesday comics number two i don't know if i should reveal that Uh if i should admit to that i did not pick up wednesday comics number two wow i picked it up i haven't looked at it yet um, I figured I was going to give it – I wanted to look at it one more time before I made my decision, but I did pick it up, and I haven't even opened it up. Ah, you know, I, it was a choice between that or Werewolves on the Moon versus Vampires, and you know – Well, and with a title like that. You, you just uh, – versus Wednesday Comics? Yeah. It just sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> so in your face, Dan DiDio. Yeah, screw you. But, uh, yeah, so Blackest Night number one did come out this week, um, along with a, um, I don't know, I don't know if you'd call it a sister title, a spinoff, uh, crappy side story, Tales of the Core came out as well. Well, and it came out with Bling, the Blackest yes. Night ring, I, I, the, the, the Black Lantern ring, that which, you know, I, I don't know, did you get the Green Lantern ring when it came out with Rebirth? You know, everyone who has gotten a Blackest Night ring mentioned the green lantern ring uh-huh. i didn't get one okay well you i know what i have one i have and so you know i immediately came home and i was going to wear both because you know i want to be like uh mongol and have all the rings on my fingers you know <laughs> and so i came home and you know i've got this this awesome blackest night ring and i put on the green lantern ring and the green lantern ring is so much more cheaply made than the Blackest Night Ring. It's really? not nearly as cool. So, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to have to be a Black Lantern. Yeah, I was wearing my Black Lantern ring, you know, sadly, all week. I didn't wear it to work, but when I got home from work, I pretty much popped it on. <laughs> well, you know, all week. I came home, I flew home, I was on a business trip and flew home Thursday evening. So I missed Wednesday comic book day and, you know, had been Twittering my local comic book shop going save me a black lantern ring and they're like we can't save them you know i think you're going to be okay but we can't save them and i'm like please save me no we can't save them and so i mean i hauled ass from the airport <laughs> to the comic shop and i don't know why that ring was so damn important to me but man it was and i got there and he you know the, the, as you walk through the door they hand you your pull books you know and so he hands me my pull books and i go in and make my my other selections and i come up to the counter and i'm like dude you got a you got a black lantern ring for me. I have a black lantern ring for you, and I'm like, oh, you know, I almost kissed him. <laughs> I was so excited. Immediately put it on, wore it home, and you know, come home, change clothes, still wearing the ring. My neighbor comes over, knocks on the door, and I go out and chat with my neighbor. And so when I come back in, uh, my wife she says, "Did you shake his hand wearing that ring?" And I said, "Oh no, I slipped it off, put it in my pocket." <laughs> I just, I, you know, I was, I was, how do I explain to him that I'm a supervillain zombie eating uh, creature? I, you know, how, how do I explain that to him? I think that they might, that the neighborhood association might kick me out if they found out that I was a, you know, 
A, a Black Lantern. Yeah, a Black Lantern. Yeah, so. uh, you know, understandably so. You could move in to my neighborhood, though, because I wore it hell or high water. <laughs> I kept pointing it at my cat. Nice. You know, I, 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 was, I kept hoping it would turn her into a zombie, but uh, and she'd eat the other cat, and I could videotape it and put it on YouTube or something. No, never happened. It, it, obviously, they, they sell depowered Black Lantern rings. I kept saying to my wife, The dead will rise. <laughs> And she's like, shut up. <laughs> you know, I'd point the ring at her. The dead will rise. Shut up. <laughs> so Yeah, she, she's not uh, you know, impressed with my dead-raising abilities. So. Well, you know what? And the best part about it? <laughs> I have a little watch box uh-huh. where I put my watches and my cufflinks and my wedding ring because... You know, I've I've lost weight since I got married, so it's kind of loose a little bit. Well, and sometimes when you go out to bars, you don't want to, you know, have that wedding ring on. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, so you know, I, I have a safe spot for it. You know, in the glove box, right? Uh, you know, next to the bed. <laughs> and uh, I put in the glo- in in the watch box right next to the wedding ring. My Black Lantern oh, ring. I, my Green Lantern ring, my Black Lantern ring are both in with my cufflinks, my watches, you know, my other ring. You know, I, it's all in there. Yeah. You know, if there. I get dressed up to go to a fancy wine party or uh-huh. something, the Black, Black Lantern. Lantern ring. Absolutely. You know, it's it's a little big, and I wish they were a little little less uh, blingy. The I, I have seen on eBay a guy who makes an actual Green Lantern ring, some, you know, silver and, and whatnot, and with mm-hmm. with uh, you know, it's not obviously green metal, but it does have a green stone in it. It's awfully cool looking, and he's got the the nice little emblem on there. Uh, last time I looked, it was only like eighty bucks. I keep thinking I'm going to get me one of those, and I know that it just sounds as dorky as it can be, but it looks. So awfully cool. But you know what? Don't they actually have Green Lantern rings from DC Direct? Yeah, I mean they're they're you know yeah. expensive, but I think they come with like their own actual lantern. Are they a- are they actual correctly. rings for wearing, or are they a a uh, you know just like a prop? Um, you know, I think they're fancy enough that you probably want to make yeah. them just a prop. But I'm sure they'd fit on someone's finger. The DC Direct one, I think, is actually just a display item. I think the one I've seen. You're probably you know because right. it's like the same thing. You know the the uh, you know Beta Ray Bill Stormbringer. You know the great big hammer that's real you know one-to-one size that's that's just a prop you know it's not the actual Stormbringer. i can't you know uh smash open a a, a steel door with it you know i you know i wanted to but they said you can't do that i I can't i can't fly with it what the hell's up with that that's garbage how much too much money that's all i'm saying too much money for 20 bucks exactly damn it <laughs> so Blackest Night. Oh yeah, so the actual comic, That's not right. the ring. <laughs> yeah, how uh, how much time did we burn on on talking about the jewelry that came out with the comic book? <laughs> well, I don't know. What was more well, about? true, true. <laughs> Kelly, it, you know, it, pretty soon it's just going to be jewelry with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <so> the comic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the comic, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. You know, I thought this is probably DC's best crossover type thing since Infinite Crisis. Um, And I know that was only two crossover things ago, but, you know, I choose not to to remember Final Crisis. Uh, It doesn't seem like anybody else does because it's never referenced or 
you know, it didn't seem to have any kind of bearing in the universe mm-hmm. at all, other than Batman dying. So I guess Blackest Night couldn't have happened without it. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things that I really liked about it, I liked the idea of the the holiday honoring fallen heroes and that they made it you know it's like a big holiday in coast city and you know kind of around the dc universe and obviously it's not a holiday we've seen before but it seems so organic to the setting to tie into all that true and for those who haven't read it you know we're we're spoiling yeah we will be spoiling this so uh uh be careful yeah exactly if you haven't read (laughs) well you know honestly if you haven't read it already this week you're probably not gonna right (laughs) that's true that's true um you know it's Basically, when Superman died, there was the day of mourning. Everyone had their little armbands. I don't know. I had an armband yeah. when Superman died. And um, basically, when he came back in the DC Universe, instead of making it a day of mourning for Superman, it essentially became a day to honor all the superheroes right. who have died throughout time. So that's where this starts. So, you know, even from the very beginning, you know, it's dealing with death and you, if you know anything about Blackest Night, it's about the dead coming to life. So it's kind of a perfect right. way to start it. And it really is, I mean, the, the the whole third page is Coast City, which completely wiped out several years ago, back during the uh, Reign of the Superman storyline. And, you know, it was, that was a, a huge event that affected Green Lantern. You can kind of see all this, all the stuff connection. You know, Superman dies. Reign of the Superman comes after that, where you had the cyborg Superman, who wasn't Superman at all, but really a uh, bad guy, Hank Henshaw, nefarious, uh, supervillain name, by the way, who with Mongol winds up destroying Coast City, which is Hal Jordan, Green Lantern's hometown. The, destruction of Coast City really kind of sends Hal Jordan over the edge and I guess makes him vulnerable to Parallax, which is the fear force or whatever that sends Hal over the edge, Green Lantern, and makes him try to, to reincarnate or resurrect Coast City with his Green Lantern powers. And of course, that starts a whole nother thing. I mean, this is a storyline that's really gone on, what, 15 years? Yeah. And you know what's kind of sad? You know what I was just thinking as you spoke about it? The whole Parallax, Emerald, Twilight, whatever, I think it was called Emerald, Twilight storyline, is so important to everything that has happened since. I'm surprised it hasn't been repackaged and re-released, because this is supposed to be the third part of the Green Lantern trilogy, you know, beginning with Rebirth, Sinestro Corps Mm -hmm. War. And now Blackest Night. And, you know, if they're treating this as the trilogy, then technically, like, Emerald Twilight and a little bit of what came after, you know, the death of Parallax, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of, I guess, like the Hobbit (laughs) of this Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, You know, so I guess I I know it would be hard to pick what issues really are important to the overall storyline. But, you know, they, they should probably repackage it as some type of omnibus that really builds up what happened that all this is yeah. really based on i mean those those events are referenced multiple times in yeah. blackest night yeah the it, they're key and i i think they'll be they'll be key as we move f- further in the series because you know it, it's set in coast city where there's a whole bunch of dead people <laughs> you know and you know <laughs> if we're going to be resurrecting a whole bunch of folks as black lanterns I'm thinking Coast City is going to be like ground zero for this stuff. So, you know, I, I think that's that's a pretty big darn deal. Absolutely. But, you know, if any writer, I, if there was any writer that I could have faith in to not overlook 
something that could be important to the story, oh, it would yeah. be Jeff Johns, who's well, the writer of this. Well, and he is so good um, with the DC Universe and knowing all the lore and making it ac- accessible. I, honestly, I, I think you could pick up Blackest Night and start with uh, last week's prologue and really come into mm-hmm. it fresh and understand what's going on. I don't think you'd get the full effect because you wouldn't understand a lot of the relationships and a lot of the, the history, but I think you'd still enjoy the story. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about that, and it's something I was actually going to talk about later in the program, too. I was not a huge, you know, I was always into Batman, Superman, a, a little bit on the Green Lantern, but what really got me back into the DCU as a whole was Identity Crisis. Identity Crisis is an, it's an outstanding series of books. It is, and you know, I didn't know half of the characters in that book. Um, You know, I mean, I knew who the elongated man was, but I didn't know his real name. I didn't know he was married. You know, I didn't know half of those characters that are forefront in that story. But the story was so well written, just like Blackest Night, that I didn't care. It was just that good, and it made me want to... Well, and you know, the, the great thing about Identity Crisis is that it is a small story. It's a little murder mystery. It isn't... Mm -hmm. You know, shaking up the, the the world and shaking up the continuity, and you know the, the universes are going to die. It's a little murder mystery about some and, and a character that we genuinely care about. Well, and and you, what's what's mm-hmm. specifically remarkable about the writing on that book is, like you said, you didn't know who Sue Dibney was, but you care about that character because no. the writer makes you care about the character and the relationships that the other characters had with her. Because you know, I, I I've read these. I've read DC Comics all my Absolutely. life. And you know, again, with Blackest Night, yes. same general feeling yeah. of it. You know, it's a huge storyline. Don't get me wrong. It is a huge storyline, but Very it's much. told in a personal way. You know, these are characters important to the main characters of the storyline who are coming back to life. And they're not coming back to life in a way that's nice or even like Marvel zombies. Yeah. Humorous. Oh, yeah. It's vicious you know they're they're coming back to life they're brutally murdering people you know it's really a dark tale but it's you know at the same time shocking and i i would really compare it to identity crisis sure and you know uh, to your point where you're saying that it's personal i think that's exactly right and conversely final crisis was not there were no personal elements in the core Final Crisis books. You know, you you felt like you were looking at it at a three hundred foot level, and you know, I I think you were the same way with me. I I turned most of those pages, going, "What in the world is going on? And how did we get here?" Yeah, and you know, I hear it's a better read and trade paperback, but I just don't care enough to read it. Uh, someone should feel free to gift it to me because I've got a couch that's not level, and I can slip it up under the, one of the. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Especially the hardcover. Definitely the hardcover. But, you know, softcovers don't here's an example well. of Final Crisis, which is written by a superstar writer, and it sucked so hard. I mean, that book was just terrible, and, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Grant Morrison should be ashamed of himself. It's just that awful of a book. Whereas Blackest Night, also a huge story, what's going to have a lot of downstream impact, and Jeff Johns has crafted... Mm-hmm. clearly crafted an exemplary story, you know? And I complained last week that I thought that the stories leading up to it, from the time they announced Blackest Night to the time that we've gotten here, there was a lot of padding. And I do, I, I still feel that way. But I got to tell you, Prologue and Blackest Night number one are terrific reads and really kind of make the lead up worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's not that everything about it 
looks like it's going to be perfect. Um, you know, switching over to that Tales of the Core, uh, you know, the, it's it's the first issue. It came out this week, first issue of a three-issue miniseries. It's already been said it doesn't need to be read to be, you know, to enjoy the larger storyline. Um, you know, it's only the first issue. Maybe after three issues that it'll get better. Um, sadly, I'm going to buy all right. three issues just because I want to see how it goes. Um, but basically, you know, Blackest Night involves all the different cores. You know, there's the Green Lantern core, there's the Black Lantern, Sinestro core. You know, there's a, a whole spectrum, mm-hmm. I think, of uh, eight colors. And uh, Tales of the Core basically tells three stories of different cores. Um, the Blue Lantern core... Uh, yeah, but Mongol this one you had Mongol one of the Baby. Sinestro Corps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had Baby Mongol, Mongol Jr., the Indigo Tribe, who have. The great thing about the Indigo Tribe story is, of course, the Indigo Tribe, we can't understand them. <laughs> so, you know, we get to, we get to, I'm just going to read you a little bit of dialogue yeah. from the book. Knock, clock, clock, clack, clack, knee, knock, knock, clock, neck. So, you know, it's all very, very uh, dramatic. And I think that I can sum up. You know, I, I think that if you were going to make one quote from the Indigo Tribe story, it would be "knock, neck, neck, clack, clack." I, <laughs> I, I was stunned when you compare Blackest Night number one, written by Jeff Johns, excellent book, okay, excellent mm-hmm. book, to Tales of the Core number one, written by Johns and and I think there's some other, yeah, and this book Tomasi. it wasn't terrible, awful, you know. Um, but it was such a letdown, and I, I really questioned the placement of the Blackest Night banner on it. Yeah, you know, honestly, it feels like filler. It it really feels like filler. It feels like stuff that should have been backups I'm sorry, in the Green Lantern are, and Green Lantern core story, you know, comics. <laughs> oh, co-features. It feels like something that should have been a co-feature. Damn straight. And I, I would, when I pick up a book that has the Blackest Night banner on it, I expect a black lantern in it. And I got a book that had not even a hint of a black lantern in it. I, I was, I was really disturbed by that. You know, it, on the cover you've got, and you know, the cover should have told me that, you know, you've got Sinestro on the cover and then St. Walker and agent orange on there. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, there's not a black lantern in the book. And I was just, I was, I found that to be very disappointing. And I think some of this artwork we've seen before, the, the pinups of the Sinestro Corps and the Blue Lanterns, I want to say we saw that in another book, and I can't remember which book that was in. Yeah, this actually reprints material that previously appeared in Green Lantern Blackest Night number zero, which was a free comic book day issue. Um, you know, and they were saying, you know, that they, for those who didn't get free comic book day, the free comic book day issue, mm-hmm. um, that they would be reprinting the material somewhere. I'd imagine in issue three of this, we are going to get the Green Lantern Blackest Night number zero storyline that appeared huh. in that um, free comic book. So that's even going to be more of a reprint. I would imagine so. I mean, this seems like the place that it would be reprinted. And I, you know, I think this was a maneuver to grab three ninety nine. <laughs> that's what this was yeah i'm you know i'm it's i'm not big on this one it, it's kind of a shame because yeah. it really did come out with blackest night and i know why they put the blackest night banner on it so you know, i would buy for it for the sales yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um you know i hate to say this but the blackest night banner i think looks pretty bad i think it's kind yeah. of lame looking i do like the symbol you know i like the symbol but i just i don't know i'm not digging it i don't yeah. like the the banner yeah um at the top I agree. I don't know. It, I'm, I'm weird about that. It's not cool enough. It's not, uh, and it doesn't look zombie enough to me. 
Yeah, you know, because all the preludes to Blackest Night had a simple black banner, right. Blackest Night, and the black and the Black Lantern symbol, right. And I thought that actually looked better than what I see here. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was pretty much just a black bar, so yeah. I guess they had to spice it up. But anyway, Blackest Night number one, excellent, excellent comic book. Whether you're a DC fan or not, you you really should pick it up. It's three ninety nine, but it's totally worth it. It's not a typical twenty two page issue. It's you know, it's the first issue of a big storyline. Great art. Yeah, and along the lines of what we said last week, you know, Blackest Night is something is is a very serious departure from what you normally see in the DCU. It's it's dark, you know. Uh, the death in the book is the deaths in the book are rather gruesome. In fact, uh, in this first issue, two rather big characters are killed off, um, and, and uh, not. Subtly, not no. off screen. Their hearts are torn out. Yeah, and um, it, now I will say it's mediated by the fact that they are two characters that tend to reincarnate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there's no doubt in my mind that we'll be seeing them again soon. But uh, you know, it, it was a rather big death. Yeah, I thought so too. You know, I thought it was a good, good end to the book. And no one writes cliffhangers better than Jeff Johns. Yeah, you know, it seems um, when he wants to. Every book ends on some type of great cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of issues ago in Green Lantern, Hal Jordan got his hand cut off. And I thought that was a great cliffhanger. Yeah. I mean, it was undone in the next issue, but I thought it was just, wow. Oh, yeah. Now, that's awesome. I will say before we wrap up our conversation on Blackest Night, we have the next four months, including July, four months of books plotted out. And there are 24 books. Yes. If you were to buy, and I'm thinking that they're all 399 books. I don't think there's a 299 book in there, and I could be wrong. I'm sure someone will correct me on that. I'll but, correct you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Blackest Night series, eight issues, is 399. The Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps those, tie-ins, uh-huh. those are 299. Oh, okay. Okay. But so that's good. But you know, uh, if you buy every single one of these books. You're looking at close to a hundred dollars in just Blackest Night books over the next four months. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm looking at Newsarama. Newsarama um, has a, an article about the cost of Blackest Night. Yeah. Um, you know, it looked at the prelude to Blackest Night, which is just the Agent Orange arc and the Emerald Eclipse arc, are uh, you know twenty-seven bucks. Honestly, do you need to read them going in? No. Right. Um, but just the Blackest Night core titles, Blackest Night, Green Lantern, and Green Lantern Core. Um, and let it, it's already been said that Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core are central to the storyline. Right. So it's, it's almost like, like you said, a 24 issue storyline. It's not just the eight issues. That's just uh, part proper. one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, those are, those are, 71 bucks total. Yeah. And again, that's not including the satellite minis right. like the Tales of the Core. Um, and they've announced Batman, Superman, Teen Titans, not even Teen Titans, just regular Titans. Right. And Wonder Woman, uh, you know, miniseries um, dealing with Blackest Night. That way it doesn't cross over into their actual titles. Right. Um, you know, and that's another 50 bucks there. So, you know, we are looking, you know, not including the preludes, you know, about 120 bucks. Just on the core titles and the satellite minis, um, which again, you know, I've been told, or you know, they've been they've been saying in interviews, not as important to the storyline. They're only important if you like the character, um, and that supposedly they these are the satellite minis, and they won't be doing anymore unless these do well. Right. 
So you know, but still, 120 bucks. It, it's you know, it's a big commitment. Um, even 70 bucks is a big commitment. I would say 70 bucks. Uh, I'm in for the 70 bucks. I don't know about all the tie-ins. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, I, as somebody who has really trimmed down what he buys every week, you know, I used to be a, I used to be a hundred dollar a week habit. You know, I was it's it's ridiculous <laughs> what I Jeez. used to buy. And that's been a number of years, uh, 10 years or so since uh, I had that kind of a habit. And now I'm really kind of an $80 a month kind of guy. And so if I'm going to read the Blackest Night books, and I, I tend to stay pretty true to my $20 a week limit, uh, that means it's bumping somebody else. You know, because I, I don't have these uh, these bottomless uh, resources for my comic book habit. And like I do. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I think I'm <laughs> – and here's the thing. I think I'm going to read all these books, but that means that I'm, there's going to be other books I'm not going to be reading. You know, that yeah, I'm not which is a shame. Up. And, and so I, – I, and I, that's going to affect some of my DC pull, and, you know, it's already affected some of my Marvel pull. I'm not pulling nearly as many Marvel books as I used to, and I consider myself a Marvel guy. Yeah, and you know, it's been said, we are very DC-centric on this show. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's a bit of truth, uh, especially lately. You know, yeah. that we, we've we both dropped a lot of Marvel from our pull list. Yeah. In fact, I didn't pick up a single Marvel book this week, and I really intended to, but nothing interested me. Well, I picked up uh, the Beta Ray Bill book because that's one of my favorite characters. But really, I'm, I'm pulling so few Marvel books right now. And, and I made a co- really conscious decision at the end of the last big crossover, which was prior to Dark Reign, and all of a sudden I'm drunk. Secret Invasion. Yeah, Secret Invasion. And I loved Secret Invasion. I thought Secret Invasion was a terrific crossover event. But just like on Blackest Night, just a similar complaint, if you're picking up the, the main storyline, you have to pick up all of these other items as well. And the next thing you know, you're blowing $150 on just one storyline, even though it's hitting a bunch of different titles. And I saw that we were unfolding immediately into Dark Reign, after a secret invasion, I was like, you know what? This is a good jumping off point, you know? Yeah. And so I just stuck with the Marvel titles that I really enjoy, which are, uh, Thor, uh, the beta Ray bill miniseries and, uh, their space books. Cause I love their space books. So, you know, I'm reading the current war of the King series, which we'll talk about on another show, but that's really all I'm pulling from Marvel. And, and literally, you know, my uh, Marvel pulls used to be six to four. You know, I'd be 60%, 40%. And, you know, I've really, really cut back, particularly since Thor doesn't release all the time. You yeah, know? you know, it's a, it's a shame, you know, because Marvel doesn't put out bad stuff. Yeah. It just has to be extraordinary to kind of beat out, you know, DC's doing some great stuff yeah. right now. Well, and I have to say, it, it's not a judgment on Marvel storytelling at all. I mean, the guys who are involved in, in telling these stories, both on the art artistic side and on the writer side, are just terrific talent. I'm very interested in Dark Reign. I'm just not interested enough to buy it. <laughs> yeah. You know, particularly when I'll probably pick it up and trade at some later point. Very you know? true. And, very true. And so, you know, I... I, I really lean towards DC because I love some of the fun books they do, like, you know, Booster Gold. Uh, and I'm amazed it hasn't been canceled yet. And you're going to tell me it's been canceled, right? No, I was I, – I, I, not this week. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Booster Gold's just good fun. And I, and I love the uh, the time travel stories that they tell in Booster Gold. It's just, it's just good fun. It's almost like a what-if kind of, kind of series. 
um, yeah. that, you know, kind of resets back to normal at the end of every week and or at the end of every month. I just really get a kick out of that. Um, I really enjoy uh, some of the other titles in DC and, you know, I'm, I'm Sadly, I'm getting back into the Batman universe. I went and picked up the two Batman books we talked about last week. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, all that's to say, when you have one of these big events for guys like me who actually try to mind their comic book budget, it crowds out the other books. And so I, I, I'll be real interested to see, you know, what books I'm not buying. So like this week, as, and we won't review them, but I'll just talk about uh, real quickly. I bought the Beta Ray Bill issue two of God Hunter, and I bought uh, John Byrne's Star Trek crew. And those are the only two non-DC books I bought this week. See, and you're you are primarily a, a big two kind of guy. Yeah, you know, other than that Star Trek title, you're primarily DC Marvel. That's right. I pick up a lot of independents. Yeah. Um, I, even though this week I think the only independent, well, I wouldn't even call Dark Horse independent, but I picked up uh, Werewolves on the Moon versus Vampires and the uh, new creepy series that Dark Horse started. You know, in addition to my DC books, right. You know, so, you know, it, it becomes even more of a, do I take a chance on a new title or do I buy the tie into Blackest Night? And, you know, as long as the titles are quality, I don't care. You know, if the titles maintain the quality that Blackest Night has, and even the tie-ins to Infinite Crisis had, you know, I, I'll be on board. Yeah. I, I'll be, you know, it, it will be money well spent because... The tie-ins to Infinite Crisis, the tie-ins to Blackest Night, and to an extent, some of the tie-ins to Final Crisis were all really well done. Right. Um, you know, despite our distaste for Final Crisis itself, <laughs> the tie-in issues were very well done. Oh, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, the I, I have no regret on buying the uh, you know like Requiem and and you know even the 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 after Final Crisis, the aftermath book run. I'm really enjoying from Matt Sturgis. Now, along the lines, and, and we'll wrap up our Blackest Night commentary here in just a second, but uh, Final Crisis, which was the big event from last year, still isn't over. <laughs> because, you know, uh, Legion of Three Worlds has not finished. Very true. Very, But you know what? It finishes next week. Um, I guess they had to make sure that, damn it, we need to finish this storyline before Adventure Comics comes out, you know, which stars Superboy, who's front and center in um, that Legion of Three Worlds. Right. Well, so, and so everything that I've heard about why this book has been so slow out, and bear in mind, we started this darn uh, Legion story last summer. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, it's we're talking, what, five issues? Yeah, right? five issues. Five issues, and you know, did George Perez have a stroke or something? <laughs> because <laughs> the guy, the guy can draw, and I know that he's you know he he's a beautiful he he does some beautiful artwork, and I know that he's a little slower than other guys. But why in the hell is it taking so long? But is he really that slow? That's what I, I don't mean, understand. I, I, because I, he used to be much faster, right? And so why would it why would it have taken so freaking long? I don't get it. And I keep thinking, you know, it's been so long that I keep thinking, did I miss it? You know, did, and I'll look on the notes. That's all that's ever came out. Yeah. And, you know, he's done storylines as big as this. I mean, yeah. he did Inf Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Well, which you can't tell me Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds is bigger than Infinity Gauntlet. Well, I mean, um, for, come, come on. He did Crisis on the Infinite Earths. <laughs> there you, <laughs> you know? go. I mean, that was that was a 12 issue maxi series. That all, I mean, with the exception of the last issue, I think those all came out on time. Yeah. I don't know, get it. Yeah, it's, 
you know, I mean, maybe it's an age thing. I mean, Infinite, uh, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths was <laughs> like 30 years ago. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> what are you maybe saying? Not 30, 20 years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, you know, it, it just seems like I'm, I'm shocked that this has taken so long yeah. to get where it's going. It's a great book. Oh, absolutely. Book. Jeff Johns writing it. Jeff Johns, right? Yes. Yeah, Jeff Johns writing it. The artwork is beautiful. Um, I have some of the same problems I always have with Legion books. I don't know who anybody is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's beautiful to look at, and I'm enjoying it. And, hey, it's bringing back Connor. So, you know, I'm all over that. Yeah, and it brought back um, What's-His-Face, Kid Flash. Yeah. yeah What's-His-Face. <laughs> Bart Allen. Um, but anyway, complete, you know, completely since we've been talking for about 15 minutes, not on Blackest Night. Right. Um, well, and the only reason I mentioned that is do we too think – Too late, Aaron. <laughs> no, no, no. no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Go ahead. The only reason I mentioned you know, the Legion of Three Worlds book, which is a Final Crisis book, and Final Crisis having completed months ago, and it's, you know, this book is still hanging out there, will Blackest Night finish on time? Long pause. <laughs> Long uh, awkward pause. Yeah. I I don't know. You know, Ivan Rice is the artist. He's rarely late. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think Blackest Night will finish on time. I think it will. Um, now, you know. I think come hell or high water, they're going to get, you know, uh, some fill-in artists, just like Final Crisis, to avoid huge delays. Right. Um. And I think that's one good thing they have with Doug Mank on the Green Lantern title. Right. And um, what's-his-face on Green Lantern Corps. I, <laughs> that, that other guy. <laughs> that other guy who draws kind of like Doug Mank, yeah. who does great stuff. But I, I think I think we're looking at it on time. I hope we're looking at it on time. It's eight eight issues, yeah. so it's it's no small – it won't be finished until you know February, March of next year, but – you know, hopefully we'll see all issues on time. And, you know, eight issues is a long time yeah. to be involved in one storyline. Yeah. Um, I would have I, – I like my blockbuster events to last three or four months. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I would prefer that my summer blockbusters actually end – start and end in the same summer. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, because at eight issues, especially if there are delays, we're looking at a year in, you know, this humongo crossover. Yeah. It's just – it's a long-time commitment. Well, and to that point, and this is how I'll wrap it up about Blackest Night, is I would prefer that these giant crossover events, you know, start in a start and stop in a smaller amount of time. I would prefer that the main book come out weekly, uh, bi-weekly. You know, I, this having to wait a month uh, for the next story when it's such a big event going on, I'd really like that continuity as opposed and following it through one title versus having to hit out in all these other titles and then try and piece that continuity to get together because so often they don't get it right. You know, and you're yeah. like, well, what book, you know, is happening when in the continuity and trying to connect those dots? It's really kind of a pain in the backside. And when you stretch it out over that amount of period, you can lose interest. Some of your momentum dies. I mean, it always seems like on these big events that we lose a lot of momentum coming into the to the last act. Oh, absolutely. You know, and Secret Invasion was really bad about that, yeah. World War Hulk. You know, and I'm afraid about Blackest Night. And, you know, we talked about 24 issues. Yeah. 24 weeks, you know, it, it, this really could have been a weekly thing yeah. with a different title every week yep. for 24 weeks. That's, I mean, that's not eight months. That's, uh, I mean, that's still six months almost. But, you know, 
Um, well, and wouldn't it have without been without cool, losing any titles? Wouldn't it have been cool to have a series like this as the DC Weekly? Not that I'm complaining about Wednesday Comics, but I think a series like this would be awesome for a DC yeah. Weekly. So. Absolutely. You anyway, know, it, it's well, yeah, you're right. Um, one final note on Blackest Night before we move on to our next topic. Sure. Um, I do want to mention Titans this week. Titans number 15. I don't normally read Titans. I started it off. Uh, couldn't get into it. Titans, if you're unfamiliar, it's the Teen Titans of old back together. Um, it originally started, you know, Nightwing, Flash, Wally West Flash, um, you know, Red Arrow, Cyborg, you know, the Donna rest. Troy. Donna Troy, Raven, Starfire. Coriander. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and of course, Dick Grayson left to become Batman. This week's issue of Titans is a prelude to Blackest Night, pretty much in name only. Mm -hmm. Um, It does lead into the Tempest scene that's in the Blackest Night number one. Uh, Other than that, literally, there are no Black Lanterns. It has nothing to do with Blackest Night. Right. But it's a really good read. Is it? Um, You know, I'm not too familiar with Tempest. Uh, who is Aquaman's son, maybe, I don't know, second-in-command or whatever. Not his son, but his, it was kind of like his ward, almost like his Robin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, like, he used to be Aqualad. Correct. Um, you know, and it's it's basically his return to Atlantis um, that they're trying to rebuild after the events of Infinite Crisis? Is that what destroyed Atlantis? Uh, you know, Final I don't know, and I, I have to admit, I didn't even know Aquaman was dead. <laughs> yeah, he, he's died twice. Yeah. He's died twice, so he's he's dead, dead. Yeah. Um, but Titans fifteen, regardless of its connection to Blackest Night or non-connection to Blackest Night, pretty decent read. You know, I, I actually kind of recommend it. Uh, you know, it do, it doesn't have any of the Titans other than Tempest, but it does have an appearance by Dick Grayson, Batman, uh, that I thought was pretty well written. You know, it actually shows Dick Grayson as Batman. And not just Batman, yeah. you know? So, good stuff. Good deal. Good deal. Well, so I think that we're uh, both unanimous that we'll be picking up uh, the rest of the Blackest Night run. Yeah, we'll be broke for the next couple of yeah. months. For the next eight months, don't expect Paul and Aaron to have any money. In fact, if you know you folks could send some dollars our way to help support our comic book habit, that would be great. Yeah, you can write it off on your taxes, maybe. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, we'll set ourselves up as a 501c3 and, you know, allow you to take that deduction. See, there we go. <laughs> you know, it's it's the Geek Fund. We've talked about this before. <laughs> we have, we have. <laughs> All righty. Okay, so uh, last week, podcast uh, also hosted here on Spooky Outhouse called Kicked in the Dice Bags, hosted by Jonathan Landreth and Christopher Mays, gave us a little shout out on their show. And... Uh, the one of the hosts, Jonathan, said that you know he listened to our first episode, uh, the one with all the echoing and whatnot, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, said that after he listened to the show, it made him go out and buy some comic books. And we'll play a little bit of that here for you here in just a moment. Uh, he, I think that was just a really you know high compliment. So anyway, we're gonna play a little excerpt for that for you. So whoosh. First thing is. Uh, I want to talk about funny books with Aaron and Polly, which okay. uh, is a podcast on ideology of madness. And this past week, they released their first episode. Yes, obviously, this is a uh, comic book podcast. Okay. Um, I listened all the way through, even though I haven't picked up a comic book in a great long while. Okay. Uh, so it was. I mean, I was listening because I was like, oh, you know, I want to support Aaron Head, 
even though I don't have, I have no interest in what's going on right now in the world of comic books. Wow. Okay. Uh, that being said, All right. after the episode was done, I was like, hmm. <laughs> I was like, you know, I haven't read comics in a long time. Right. Uh, it's because of listening to that podcast that uh, um, probably this weekend going to be picking up uh, some comic books. So I wanted to say thank you and f- to Aaron and Polly for <laughs> for inspiring me to spend more money on I don't need. Uh, you would make uh, Luke Meyer proud. I just want to throw out a uh, suggestion to uh, Aaron and Polly for an episode. I would love to hear an episode on getting back into comics at the current time. Yeah, uh, because where do you start? Yeah, where do you start? It's uh, you know how do you keep up with the continuity or lack thereof for a certain. So So you know, Jonathan asks, what uh, what would be a good way to, to return to comics? What books should you be buying? So Paul and I gave that some thought. So what do you think, Paul? You know, we gave it all. Well, I don't know if you did. I gave it a <laughs> lot of thought. It's been bugging me all. We yeah, me too. You know, me too. What what titles are good to jump in? You know, everything is so mired in continuity lately. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to jump in for as someone you know, not a comic book fan at all. Let's start you know with that, or who has been out of the loop since you know like the nineties. So let's say ten years. It, it's hard. It's hard to jump in. You know, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, so I've got a couple of recommendations more on the independent end, and even a couple in the actual DC and Marvel universes. I didn't want to keep out Marvel because uh, I think it was Jonathan who was speaking. Yeah, Jonathan's um, a, a real big Marvel guy, and I and I hate to tell him this. You know, he's a real. He's not just a big Marvel guy. He's a big X Men mutants guy, and I don't think you. I, I know I haven't read an X Men book in years, and I don't think you're an X Men guy either. I'm not a huge X Men guy, yeah. but you know that was. My goal was to specifically address his question. Yeah. Okay. So take it away, Paul. You know, talking about X-Men directly, it's hard to get into the X-Men universe right now. It is. You know, I I wouldn't even try to get into the main X-Men universe. Um, That being said, there are a couple of titles that kind of stand on their own that I think are definitely worth the time of checking out. Primarily, I'm going to start with X-Force. Um, X-Force right now is, you know, if you are if you haven't been in comics for a while, uh, you might remember X-Force as the Rob Liefeld, Liefeld, whatever, right. uh, created Band of Mutants, you know, Cable was leading them, Shatterstar, all those characters who are pretty much all in X-Factor right now. Right. But right now, X-Force is a secret group of basically it's almost like a I wouldn't say suicide squad type mutants you know they're they're the darkest characters in the X-Men universe you've got Wolverine, Wolvesbane, um Thunderbird, I guess he's Warpath now whatever right. the hell his name is um you know and they're basically hired by Cyclops but they're not just X-Men it's not just another X-book they are Go in and kill these people. Not go in and save the day. Not go in and save anybody. It is your job is to assassinate the leader of this anti-mutant crusade. You know, your job is to assassinate these people. Go in, kill them, 
you know, it's bloody, it's violent, you know, it's got art by Clayton Henry, who, if you've been following any of his stuff, uh, you know, he did a Ghost Rider storyline a couple years back. You know, it's it's like painted artwork, you know, very stylized, you know, highly bloody, you know, dark and, and violent. But great series, really. It's been really well written. Uh, it's written by um, Chris something or other I, I probably should have researched this before we talked about it um <laughs> kyle yost i know is one of them um or maybe it's chris yost see and i can't help you out here i don't read any of those books jeez aaron jeez. <laughs> i'm sorry uh no it's uh craig kyle and christopher yost okay um and yost is doing the red robin book right now isn't he Yes, yeah. Yost is doing the Red Robin book. Um, another member is X-23. The craptastic uh, Red Robin book. <laughs> I like Red Robin. Yeah, well, no accounting for taste. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, but, you know, it's it's great. It really is a good, you know, good storyline. And it is tied into a bit some of the stuff that's happened in X-Men in recent years. Um, they've had a couple of crossovers. You know, very reminiscent of the stuff that we liked back in the 90s. Uh, you know, the Extinction event and that kind of stuff. They've had recent Messiah Complex and now Messiah War. Basically dealing in, after House of M, which was Marvel's big crossover like five years ago, there became 198 mutants and no new mutants were being born for a while. And out of those 198, people kept dying. So by the time, you know, anything was going to happen, they were probably down to 130 mutants, maybe. And Messiah Complex and Messiah War are all about uh, the first mutant baby being born since that House of M event. And people wanted to kill her, people want to save her, the X-Men want to protect her, that kind of thing. And ultimately what happened is Cable stole the baby to keep her safe from Bishop who is now a villain, and he's been traveling through time, trying to keep her safe, trying to keep her hidden. So really, you know, most recently there was a, an, an event called the Messiah War, with X-Force and Cable crossing over. Great, great storyline. It involved Deadpool, really well-written Deadpool. And, you know, it's all about protecting that baby from Strife. And if you've not been an X-Men for a while, you probably still know who the hell Strife is. Couldn't tell um, you. <laughs> are you serious? Couldn't tell you who Strife is. Yeah, you don't I, know who Strife is. You know the the I got out of the X Men. Gosh, I'm trying to remember what the last crossover was uh, that I read. It was a long time ago. How the hell do you host a comic book po- comic book podcast and do not know who Strife is? I have no idea who Strife is. Ah, uh, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but you know, I, I read I read Whedon's Astonishing X Men, which was fan freaking tastic. I mean, I absolutely love it. It cer- certainly took a little dip in the storytelling during the Danger Room piece of it, but uh, um, absolutely loved his storytelling on that. But the the uh, regular day to day X Men stuff, it's too much continuity to keep track of. It's like it its is, own it universe in and of itself, and you know, it wasn't that I that I wasn't enjoying it. It's just you know, it was too too expensive. I agree. You know, it, it is hard to keep track of. It is hard to get into right now. My recommendation: start with X Force. It ties into the universe a little bit, but even within the X universe, it kind of does its own thing. Yeah, it's a good read. Definitely worth picking up if you're trying to get back into the X-Men universe proper. Yeah. Or pick up that Messiah Complex uh, trade paperback. Uh, you know, it has a lot of the characters we used to like back in the 90s, except for Aaron. Because <laughs> he doesn't know who the hell Strife is. You know who Mr. Sinister is, right? Yes, I do. Yes. See, there you go. Yeah. 
Um, great reads. You know, I, I will say the X-Men universe right now is probably the best it's been in years. But, again, it's still hard to get into. Yeah. So, you know, keep that in mind uh, if you're trying to get back into it. Um, and, you know, he also mentioned Spider-Man. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was Chris who mentioned Spider Man, and yeah. you know, Chris mentioned his concern about uh, some of the things that you and I uh, voiced concern about several months ago about the uh, the deal with the devil that that Peter Parker made. Yeah, and sadly, if you're trying to get into Spider Man now, it's all you know different than it probably was when you were reading Spider Man, and the deal with the devil storyline seems like it's kind of playing into it again. Apparently, Peter Parker is about to reveal his identity to his fellow Avengers uh, again. Which I guess, yeah, again, <laughs> which opens up a whole can of worms, right? Um, you know, but in the end, uh, Marvel, the Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man, right now is published three times a month. Probably not the easiest to get into, yeah. but you know what is good, surprisingly good, is Marvel Adventures Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, at first glance, you're like, oh, it's the kids' version of Spider-Man, and it's not really. It's all ages, which means, you know, honestly, the comic books we read growing up were all ages. Right. You know, they're not as adult. They're they weren't as adult as they are now. You know, it's really reminiscent of the type of Spider-Man stories we probably read as kids. Um, you know, it's it's good stuff, mostly done in one tales, but good art, well written, fun. You know, you get to see the Spider-Man villains that you used to like. You know, Scorpion, Venom. Right. You know that kind of stuff. You know, I, I I know it's hard to you know let me jump back into comics and start with something that's not in the actual universe. But Marvel Adventure Spider-Man, you know, they sell them in single issues or in like manga-sized mm-hmm. trade paperbacks. And regular size trade paperbacks, right. and you can actually find them at Target. Yeah, um, good stuff. Actually, good stuff. If you want a Spider-Man fix that you know you haven't had in a while, you know, uh, you know, listening to Jonathan's question, you know, obviously he's very Marvel centric, and so I'll, I'll talk in terms of if I was going to hop into a Marvel book right now, um, and I, I'm going to take it from two different ways. There's the way I'd do it, and then there's the way I think Jonathan. Well, should do it, you know, listing his, uh, taking his comments into consideration. If it were me and I was just now coming in, I would start with trade paperbacks. I would go and pick up Civil War. And you don't have to buy them. A lot of your local libraries are now carrying comic books and trade paperback. And, you know, because a lot of local libraries are now online, you can actually go and search them. So that's yeah, what, that's what true. I would do just to kind of get your, your, your feet up. On you know what's going on in continuity, and, and Civil War is really important to, to what's going on in the Marvel books right now. As is Secret Invasion, and you can e- read each one of those core titles and really kind of understand what's going on. Uh, so that's what I would do. I, I would I would go to the library and see if I could get a hold of of uh, Civil War and uh, Secret Invasion in in trade paperback and read them that way, or or go pick them up however you want to do those. But Jonathan specifically asked. How do I go buy comics right now? So I think that we have to take the trade paperback element out of the, the equation because that's that's not the experience I think that he's wanting to have. So if I was going to go out and buy a comic, I would go and grab Thor 
and what I've talked about Thor on the show before. I think Thor is, is an awesome book. I think it's being written and illustrated now better than it ever has in the past. However, I don't think this is uh, Jonathan's kind of book. He said specifically that he doesn't like the cosmic-powered guys. He doesn't like the, you know, just over-the-top godlike powers. So Thor is probably not his kind of book. He's going to be more interested in a Wolverine. He's going to be more interested in um, a Deadpool or a Spider-Man or something like that. Somebody who's more human. I think the Wolverine books yeah. you can get into you know, right now. Yeah, Wolverine is not mired in continuity that well. You know what's sad? It is right now. Because right now, um, it's in the Dark Reign storyline. But if you jump back to the beginning of the Old Man Logan storyline, um, which started... I don't know, six, seven months ago. And you could still find the issues pretty much cover price. Yeah. You know, comics don't go up in price really much nowadays. That is the storyline. If you're a Wolverine fan or you think Wolverine's kind of cool, pick that up. You know, you don't need to know much about anybody. You know, if you know who Captain America is, if you know who Hulk is, you're fine. And even then, all you need to know is that they're heroes and you're fine. It's really well written beautiful to look at and it's probably going to be concluded in the next couple of months so you have a full storyline to read exactly uh, you know within a well and you know the the books that picked up uh right after they they printed the last old man story which i want to say i forget the book number i think it was 73 72 uh i that i was able to read that and i'm not mired in the dark rain or the uh the uh x-men continuity so I, I think that I think that you know in the, the the issue seventy range you can jump back into Wolverine. As beyond that, I'm not sure what I'd tell him because normally I would have if somebody had asked me a question a year and a half ago, if you had asked me this question, I would have said get into the Ultimate storylines. Yeah, but Ultimates right now, I don't know the Ultimate storylines. They're just as complicated as the regular. Marvel exactly, universe. that's what I was going to say. You know, moving into the Ultimatum, their their big event right now. And I have to say, uh, since Jeff Loeb did the Ultimates, uh, Ultimates hasn't been nearly as good. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, Jeff Loeb, you know, brought his uh, his spotlight of crap <laughs> over to this <laughs> title. I don't know. You know, I usually like Jeff Loeb, but you know, since he's been working on Heroes, his stuff has been terrible. Yeah, since just, basically since he started with Marvel, really. Yeah. Uh, again, well, I, you know, once he yeah. when, after his DC, you know, when he when he when he signed the Marvel exclusive. Uh, yeah. contract but uh you know <laughs> what i would say for someone who used to be a marvel zombie um and is trying to look for something good to read you know how do i break back into comics buy dc <laughs> yeah no i'm serious and you know that's the thing is if if i did, if somebody didn't give me the limitation of how you get back in to marvel they just said, how do I get back into comics? And I've had this experience a number of times in my life. I talked about earlier how I used to have a very expensive comic book habit. Mm-hmm. And I went cold turkey. <laughs> and I, I talked to it in terms of addiction because in, in a way it was. I mean, I, I really, I just had to go and have comics every week. And so I went for about a year where I didn't buy comics at all. And so I went, when I first started going back, it was like, you know, I was touching the heroes that I liked before and that kind of thing. And I've done that periodically, you know, in my life, gotten out of comics, come back. And it was never, I didn't like comics. It was, I couldn't afford comics at that time. Um, but if I was just going to make a recommendation, I'd tell somebody, go pick up Booster Gold. Because that is a continuity light storyline. They're generally, the story arcs are very short. You can get in, you can get out. 
for somebody who likes a lot of action and likes it gritty, Blackest Night right now is the comic to get. Absolutely. You know, there are all just all kinds of really good stories right now. And, you know, I, I hear people, you know, complain to me about, ah, oh, I can't stand the way comics are written. But, you know, I think we have some of the best writing talent in comics right now than we've ever had. Uh, comics are not written the way they used to be written. That's right. You know, these are not, <laughs> I hate to say these are not your father's comics because that's a stupid quote. Um, <laughs> but comics are not written like they used to be written they are much more adult um you know which makes it harder for kids to get into to be honest with you um but you know they're they're also there's a different flow to them there's more emotional weight behind a lot of the storylines um you know the characters are more human you know blackest night great great story and not only is it a great story to pick up just for being a great story it's one that's going to get you interested in buying more comics right I actually have a couple of other titles. Okay. You know, Vertigo. Uh, recently on the site, I was talking about how Vertigo is trying to get a bunch of new readers in. They have been releasing some great stuff. If you're not familiar with Vertigo, it's the mature readers line of the DC Comics um, company. Okay. Okay. So if necrophilia is a subject matter in the regular DCU and in the all age reads, what in the world do they have in the mature content? <laughs> Harry Potter. They have, they, 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 oddly enough, um, you know, I've spoken about the unwritten before. It's only on issue three. Issue one was only a buck. Um, the unwritten, great, great storyline. If you're into fantasy, if you're into Harry Potter, and you want to look for a story, you're, if you're an adult Harry Potter fan, you're, you'll find a lot to appreciate in this. You know, it's about a Harry Potter-esque character um and, but you know it has a lot of real world implications great you know great writing good to look at you know it, it's a deep mystery i highly recommend picking it up like i said and now's the perfect time um especially you know not just the unwritten but check out all of vertigo's titles they've got a couple of other titles greek street uh, they just released uh, the first issue, which was a dollar. They re-released the first issue of Fables, um, and both those titles are very similar. Greek Street is uh, the the ancient Greek tragedies, uh, but played out in modern day times. Um, Fables is about like fairy tale characters, like Alice in Wonderland, Sleeping Beauty, those types of characters, but in modern day times as well. Um, good stuff. Very adult. You know, mature readers. Uh, you know, they're. I've not seen Necrophilia, but I will say in Greek Street, one of the main characters' names is Eddie, which is a, uh, and he's um, kind of a, a metaphor for Oedipus. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a, <laughs> a background there. Is he um, banging mom? He, he did, and it, it does not go well for him. <laughs> nice. Um, but great stuff. Check out the Vertigo titles. Really, you know, good places to, you know, they all have good places to jump on right now. Well, and Um, I would recommend on, uh, for indie titles, I would certainly recommend like BPRD, the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense from mm -hmm. Dark Horse, which is the the, uh, Mike Manola characters from Hellboy. Uh, you know, the nice thing about those is that they are short contained miniseries. You know, they're ongoing. You, you, there's always new miniseries out, but you know, they're, they're five, six issues long. And it's, a, it's always a nice jumping on point. And I, and I think that, I, I think you don't have to be mired in the Hellboy continuity to be able to understand those. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think they're, 
I think they're probably more enjoyable than the Hellboy titles because the Hellboy titles kind of all play into each other, right. whereas the BPRD jumps around in time. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of pick up any one of the miniseries and be fine with it. Absolutely. Um, and on that same point, Atomic Robo. Yeah, Atomic, uh, Atomic Robo. Robo. Also, and I, I'll let you chat about it, but uh, a fun book. Yeah, from it's Red 5 fun. Comics. You know, yeah. similar – I won't say similar because they hate being compared to Hellboy Comics. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of – you know, they have similar backgrounds. Yes. Um, Atomic Robo, he's like a robot superhero invented by Nikol- Nikola Tesla um, way back when, you know, and he's been, you know – living all this time he's fought zombies nazis you know and right now there's um atomic robo and the shadow from beyond time uh is the current storyline it's only on issue three uh you can actually my favorite part about it you can get a subscription from the website uh so you can actually have the comics delivered to your door and you can start it with issue one and you know it'll just deliver you know every couple of weeks Great stuff, you know, lots of fun. Um, the new one involves Atomic Robo fighting a Lovecraftian creature mm-hmm. um, throughout time, uh, but highly recommended. That was well, a lot of fun, and you don't need to be a comic fan. You don't need to have read a single comic or, you know, yeah, you know, to well, really enjoy it. And you can make it even easier on yourself if you've got an iPhone because the Atomic Robo books are available through Iverse Media on the iPhone, and they're they're almost perfectly formatted to the iPhone. Yeah. So, so you know, and I, that's how I read uh, a lot of the early issues of Atomic Robo is on my iPhone, and it, it works very well. I highly recommend that. I have a couple of other recommendations. I'll go ahead and start with Chew, sticking on the independent front. Chew, C-H-E-W. Um is about a guy named Tony Chu. Uh, he's a police officer, and he's sebopathic. And basically what that <laughs> means... Sebopathic? What that means is he can take a bite of any type of food and basically get these psychic visions of what tree, you know, where the food was grown, what animal the food came from, and basically anything that has happened to that food. So if oh, he gross. takes a bite from a piece of chicken he, and the piece of chicken was cooked by someone who was a mass murderer he'll be able to see that that person was a mass murderer um, and one of the, the storylines that plays out in the first book is in order to find all the victims of a mass murderer he has to take a bite of the mass murderer um, <laughs> <laughs> you know nice. I, I picked it up because it's such a great concept. Art is great. It's written by John Lehman, drawn by Rob Gulery. Um, loved it. I handed it to my wife. I'm like, you should read this. And she loved it too. And, you know, she's huh. not a big comic book fan. She reads the Anita Blake comic books because she likes the books. Um, you know, Chu is by Image Comics. I think issue two of Chu just came out. Um, highly recommended. You know, it, it's. You know, great to look at. And again, you know, whether you're a comic fan or not, it's an interesting idea, an interesting storyline, very unique. Yeah, it sounds great. I'm, I might have to pick that one up. So, uh, I have one more, but I'll see if you have anything else, Mister Head. I really don't. I mean, my, uh, I, I think it's hard to get into comics right now. It is, you know, but it's hard to get into mainstream comics. It's yeah. easy to get into the independent stuff. I, I agree. Think. 
I agree. Like, uh, and you might, this may actually be something you're about to say, but Razzle. That is exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> um, Razzle, uh, is by Jeff Smith, the creator of Bone. Um, if you've not read Bone, have you read Bone, Aaron? I have not. I've never read Oh, Bone. you're a bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, Bone is probably one of the best comic books of all time. I, I will go on record saying that uh, we're recording, so I, I have no choice. Um, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely great, great storyline. It looks like a kid's book. Do not be fooled. It is an epic fantasy story. Great, great stuff, Bone. And you can get the full storyline now in a one-volume edition that you can get at Barnes & Noble or Hell. You can get the one-volume edition. Now, one volume is it's like Three times the size of the Bible. <laughs> um, you can get it from Amazon.com. Now, Bone, I think, lasted 60 issues. Yeah. In one volume, 27 bucks. Oh, wow. That's a good deal. 27 bucks for 60 comic books. And you can get it, which is, it, it, you know, which was nine trade paperbacks. And you're reading essentially, you know, a full epic length in a Lord of the Rings type storyline that just happens to star some of these Walt Kelly cartoon-esque characters. Right. So if you've not read Bone, pick it up. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, but the creator of Bone has started recently Razzle, or Rassel, whatever, R-A-S-L. And it's a very deep science fiction storyline. It involves not time travel, but... Uh, traveling between dimensions. Uh, it's about an art thief who travels between dimensions to go and to... And like traveling between alternate universes. Kind of yes, thing, that's right? what I meant. Yeah, alternate yeah. universes. Um, where, you know, he, he steals like a Picasso because in another universe, Picasso may not be, you know, who Picasso is here. But, right. you know, he, he, here you can get an original Picasso. You know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's really well written. It's very mature. So if you've, you know, if you're going from Bone, which is very friendly for kind of all ages, um, Razzle is very mature, uh, but it's also great science fiction. You know, it's it deals with that kind of fringe science, um, you know, of traveling between alternate universes and things like that, or alternate realities. It comes out from Cartoon Books, which is Jeff Smith's company. Again, you can get the trade paperback out now. Uh, it contains the first three issues i think it's a it's a an extra large size trade paperback i think it's about 10 13 bucks and i think issue five just came out so you're not very far behind and it only comes out once every i think five issues a year is his goal um so and if he misses his goal we're looking at four issues a year so you know every two three months you're probably looking at a new issue which you know can be a pain because the storyline is so good you kind of hate to wait Right. But it's also so good you don't mind rereading what's come before to get, you know, to get current. Yeah. Uh, so I highly recommend Razzle. Excellent. Excellent. And in fact, I have a surprise. A surprise? I'm surprised. Yeah. For anyone who that who's listened this damn long to our podcast <laughs> and is still with us, I actually have a couple of the comic books we've spoken about today. Um, courtesy of Local Heroes Comics. Uh that uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, that I will be giving away for free. Wow. Yeah. What do they have to do to win those, Paul? Um, you know, I'm going to make it easy on you guys. Um, anyone who leaves a comment on this 
on ideologyofmadness.com on the uh, on the story, podcast article on the podcast article anyone who yeah. leaves a comment on this article will be entered into the contest to win um, you know uh, uh, basically a grab bag of the titles that we've spoken about today and the grab bag does include dun, 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 <laughs> the uh, the trade paperback of Razzle the first three issues oh crap I want to win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, if you are not into comic books, uh, you know, definitely, you know, enter in. You know, you might find something to like here. You know, some great stuff uh, is going to be in that grab bag. Uh, I'm still formulating it, but, you know, I've got a couple of things in there already. Um, Definitely worth the time. It's not 100 free comics like we gave away a couple months back. But, you know, (laughs) this is really intended for people who are looking for something new or to break back into comics. Definitely check it out. If you're listening through our iTunes uh, cast, definitely check out www.ideologyofmadness.com and leave a comment on the the actual posting that has this podcast on it to enter the contest. Well, excellent. Excellent. Well, we have had a uh, a great, big, huge, chunky show today. Yes, absolutely. And, and in fact, in fact, what y'all didn't get to hear is uh, Paul and I off the air discarding the other topics we wanted to talk about <laughs> that we're going to save for next time because uh, who knew we were going to talk for quite so long about Blackest Night? Yeah, we had we had a total of two topics today, but yeah. uh, an extra long episode, an extra That's special right. episode. So uh, we'll be here next week with uh, a whole lot more topics and some of the ones that we uh, didn't get to chat about today, but we have got uh, tons of stuff to share with you and uh, be sure and check us out every day on ideologyofmadness.com and we'll see you next time thanks so much Paul alright thank you Funny Books theme graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope for more great music visit markandrewpope.com Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com no Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. I can't get that out. I don't want to sound like an idiot. Well, don't worry. I'll edit that all together and make it sound right. Bullshit. <laughs> Neck, neck, clack, clack.